Hello, welcome to an emergency edition of the State News Sports Podcast. And I say emergency <laughs> because we are taping this at um, 1 a.m. Central Time, so uh, 2 a.m. Eastern, uh, Eastern Time. Now we are... Yeah, yeah, it's coming up 2 a.m. on Eastern Time. We, uh, we uh, Suichi and I have just, <laughs> uh, just got back from the Michigan State-Duke basketball game kind that of. took place United last Center, night yeah. slash tonight slash whatever time it is. We've both been running for about, I don't know, 18 hours. Yeah, today has uh, been a wild day. I was at D'Antonio's presser in East Lansing. Then right after that, I, I I was on my way to Chicago. Now all of a sudden, I'm at the United Center covering a basketball game. So Yeah, and full of full of Chicago traffic. It's a fun story if anyone ever wants to hear it. <laughs> so if anyone ever wants to hear that story, oh, come gosh. find me and Sweetie on the street. And we'll ask us and we'll... Just email me. Just complain <laughs> about it for hours. Um, <laughs> but let's get right into MSU basketball. I know we talked for 50 seconds about complaining about our lives, but let's talk about <laughs> something that matters. Um, hey, it's a pod. It's okay. That's true. Uh, so MSU lost tonight, 88-81 to Duke. Um, Coach Izzo, after the game, was obviously visibly disappointed. and um, he, was, he was he was a little bit angry. He was I, mad. I, I wasn't I, actually there for it because I was in the locker room. That's a whole other story. But looking back, like he, he was really angry. There, yeah. there was that one question that he didn't really answer. And he felt a little bit bad to the reporter because apparently he's a good guy. I, I don't know who asked it, but he, he he looked very mad. And, I mean, rightfully so. This was a game that MSU really sh- could have and should have won. I yeah, like. I mean, MSU just did not play well. I mean, they got out-rebounded 36-24, to 24, um, 25-11 on offensive rebounds. Um, I just want to fact-check you really real quick there. It was 46-34. to 34, Just He was off by 10. But can you really blame him? It is really early. It's close enough. Um, close enough, just for the record. Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> and on top of that, I mean, MSU had a ton of turnovers. They missed a lot of free throws. It was it was not a overall clean performance by by MSU. Miles Bridges didn't play great. Jaron Jackson played pretty well. Um, yeah, he did. Credit to Jaron Jackson. I mean, seven for ten. He hit a couple key three pointers, especially in that first half. Um, he he. At post game, I just want to say it was kind of funny just interviewing him because obviously he was a little bit frustrated and. <laughs> The way he phrased uh, his answers were just a little bit funny. I don't want to dig in by any means. This isn't really a dig. It was just that I was I was just asking him a few questions like what, what were you thinking at halftime? All this this kind of stuff just recalling. And he was like, oh, I don't really know. It was just kind of a blur of the game. I'm just, and that that is that is kind of I, I guess tying it in a little bit. It is really a testament to this young team. I mean, you look at the starting lineup. You got four sophomores and a true freshman. And at the end of the day, like. It's really hard to really dig on them too much, especially on such a big stage like the United Center, the Champions Classic. So yeah. I, I just kind of wanted to bring that up a little bit. And I do want to, I do want to kind of go back and check myself because I'm, I've got the stats right in front of me. I said Miles Bridges didn't really play that well, but I mean, as I'm looking at it, he had 19 points, five of ten from, uh, five of ten from three point land, yeah. seven of fifteen from the field, uh, four assists, four blocks. I mean, it, like his stats seem to like suggest he had a good game, but. He really turned it on in that second he half. He just, yeah, he had some yeah. good moments in that second it's, half, but he was a little, he was, at first half he did not play well, yeah, but I mean, he, it just it was not a typical Miles Bridges performance that you were expecting, given that this is a yeah national showcase. He's, yeah. I mean. He was one for three from the first half, so I think that's a little bit of that too. And I asked him a little bit, he did try to ramp up his intensity a little bit, especially in that second half when you are kind of playing down a stretch, when you are trying to make the big plays. And one thing too that I, Saw on Twitter, I forgot who tweeted it, who mentioned it. I apologize for a little stealing your work a little bit, but I saw that Miles Bridges he he really does need to kind of I guess get get up for those bigger kind of games because he had that awful game against Kentucky last year in the Champions Classic, and he he struggled against Duke last year as well on the road, admittedly. But I 
I'm, I'm not necessarily saying, not necessarily, excuse me, I'm fumbling my words at this time of night, but I'm not necessarily saying that he doesn't get up for big games or he doesn't have big games. I mean, you look at that Purdue performance last year, but, you know, I am very intrigued to see how he, how he bounces back in his sophomore season, in, in the season that he is very rightfully so going for a national championship. Yeah, I mean, this... MSU did not play great. I mean, I don't think... I think Duke did play pretty well, though. I will say that Duke... MSU yeah. played okay. I don't want to say they played bad, but like yeah. they, Duke and Duke played fine. Um, Credit Grayson Allen. Let, Grayson Allen played great. Let's talk about Grayson Allen for a hot second. I'm sorry, MSU fans, but he looked incredible. Yeah. Absolutely on fire. He missed a couple of heat check threes that we were laughing about, but he had a great performance. I mean, he also nailed one of the heat yeah, check threes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, credit him. Um, he was 7 for 11 from three-point land. Yeah. I mean, and he had... 37 points, which is a Incredible. high for that's, the that's a That's a college game. That's a college yeah. game, too. You really kind of have to take in pace or all that kind of stuff. And one thing, too, uh, Sam was there with me. I was talking to one of the Duke Chronicle guys. Shout out to the student newspaper over at Duke University. He, we were sitting next to them because, you know, student newspapers, all that kind of stuff. But I, I asked him, uh, from you know, from obviously from a neutral standpoint, what is your opinion on Grayson Allen? He told me that he's a really good kid. And I think... I'm sorry, MSU fans. You're going to hate me a little bit of, for this, but I think a little bit of the hate is because he's white and he goes to Duke, and you're going to get hate for that. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some J.J. Redick level heat and Christian yeah. Leitner level heat that he just gets because he's that guy for Duke. He's a I good mean, player. Like you're, we you're not going to like people. You're not going to like certain people on certain teams. You're yeah. not going to like the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. You're not going <laughs> to like the point guard from Duke. It's just like those are just things that you yeah. don't like in sports. I mean, yeah. those for the are... For um, Dak Prescott seems like a pretty likable guy. It's, for, for I, mean, <laughs> I just I just do want to throw that out there, but yeah, I think I think a lot of the hate is because Grayson Allen does do these stupid things, excuse me, stupid things like tripping people, and he has and he just honestly like I'll say it like he has a very punchable face, and he does flop. There were a few yeah. plays where you were just like, what what is he doing there? Yeah, I mean, I we he was he came in with Coach K. Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name at this time, <laughs> but he came in with Coach K after the game, and he was sort of at the podium. And I kind of would agree. He sort of he wasn't as swarmy as like swarmy as I thought he would be. Yeah. Like he was answered questions. Seemed like a pretty nice guy. Yeah. I mean, he seemed pretty upbeat. I mean, I've obviously I mean I was in one. Yeah. I mean, beating number two in the country would be pretty upbeat. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean for Duke, I mean it is important to say that Marvin Bagley Jr. or I'm sorry, Marvin Bagley the third did uh, was taken out early in the first half. Yeah. Um, he scratched his eye, according to Coach K. Didn't give a technical term for what it was, but he thinks he'll be fine. But he did not play. So, I mean, regardless of... I mean, this game is in November, but, I mean, if you're going to call this a true national championship preview, like, Marvin Bagley didn't play. Like, Marvin Bagley yeah. might be the number one overall pick next year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's not a true... I mean, obviously, Michigan State's going to get better. Duke's going to get better. Yeah. Um, one thing, too, I... I, I was I, I kind of forgot how big he was. Like he's what yeah. like six ten, six eleven. Like he's yeah. a big guy. And I guess I can transition us a little bit into that zone that Duke played. I wrote about it. I wrote about it um in an article. You'll see it up on statenews.com. That that zone was like they they ran it consistently. They ran it a lot, but it was very lengthy. And a lot of players in the post game locker room were talking about that. And I think that's something that we should discuss just because it was part of their game plan. Um, yeah, it was a 1-3-1 zone, right? Uh, I believe so. I believe so. Yes. Now, for the the way the best way to beat a 1-3-1 zone is to pass it to the big man who's yeah, sort of standing the at the, in yeah. the middle. And they did that a lot. Saw, they did it a lot. Um, I noticed it best when Ben Carter actually was in the game. And yeah, he was yeah, constantly yeah. moving around that area. 
Um, that's that's some veteran savviness from him. He yeah. might not be the most athletic guy, but credit. Ben he knew Carter what he was doing. Bad. Like he yeah. knew what he was doing against that zone. I mean, like it sort of seemed like he was the only one really moving on offense at times. Um, yeah. But the best way to beat a, a one-three-one zone is to get the ball into right around the free throw line. Yeah. Um, and then swing it to someone standing in the corner. Yeah. And now then and then that's going to lead right into Matt McQuaid and uh, Josh Langford, who. I was, As Izzo said after the game, yeah. he felt like they passed up some open shots. Yeah. I felt like they passed up yeah. some open shots. I mean, McQuaid had a rough game. Let, let's he let's get that. Yeah, he just didn't. And what was he? Over he was over three. three yeah. And I've like he at least passed up three open yeah. shots. And th- that's the thing. He had that nice and one layup, but that's not his game. Like he needs to be able to stretch the floor there and keep that zone defense a little bit honest. I feel like, and I mean, it is it is it is kind of geared for McQuaid to go. Uh, hit those three pointers from the corner, but he has to be able to hit those shots. And another thing too, I w- I was very disappointed to see McQuaid's I guess performance in terms of how he would. I I wanted to see how he would respond being back in the United Center. I think I believe that's the first time he's been back there since the big Kansas game a couple years ago as a true freshman, and that that's honestly been kind of a peak of his career. Like I I can't really think of a higher moment for McQuaid than that than that early season game in his freshman year, because he's really struggled since then. And obviously he struggled this game. I'm going on a little bit of a tangent, but, yeah. I am I mean, he's got to be big for, he's got to be big for MSU. Yeah, like, I mean, and I mean, he's, he's part of the rotation. And yeah. Izzo talks about all the time, he has his starters, and then he has, you know, Tom and McQuaid, and those are, those, that, those are his set rotation guys. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm trying to look right now at, like, the minutes, and um, unless pretty much every starter... Is that like twenty minutes, and then um, Cassius and Miles played a lot, and Izzo said that. Where's Where's Tom Tom at? Uh, Cassius, yeah, Cassius and Miles Tom played, played a lot. eleven minutes. Yeah. Uh, ben Carter played twelve. McQuaid played eighteen. That's a decent amount of minutes. Those are some of the bench guys. Uh, yeah. Nick Ward only played eighteen minutes. Did he get in foul trouble? No, not really. Kenny Goins played fifteen. Kenny Goins played fifteen. Chili played six, <laughs> and uh, Xavier Tillman played two minutes, which that was kind of surprising to me. But the, for yeah. the one play that. Tillman was in, he made a pretty bad turnover, but um, I mean, he's going to have to improve that. There, there was that one weird lineup out of the first media timeout, oh, and yeah. people were on my, people, I, I mentioned it, and people on my, it's people on my, people in my mentions were pretty mad about it. That lineup did not last long, though. Yeah, 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 because it, it was it a weird lineup, it was like Tom Tom McQuaid, this is off the top of my head, but it was Tom Tom McQuaid, I think Langford was in, and it was like going some Schilling. And you're like, what is happening? Yeah, that was a weird lineup. That's a, that's a weird lineup. It quickly was changed to Bridges quickly came in for Langford. Yeah, but... I believe so. Um, I, I I think a little bit of that too, though, was that you did get some of the experienced guys minus Langford in the sense that you did have a Tom, you did have a McQuaid. And, I mean, Cash has said in the best himself that they had to figure out that zone a little bit just because of the length, just because you can't really... I guess he... Cash has said you can't really simulate that in practice, and I think that that's pretty fair because... If you look at Duke's roster, this is also in my article, by the way, I mentioned that there are five guys 6'10 or taller on that team. That's 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 kind of scary, like, going up against that. A I didn't bit. realize that Grayson Allen played the whole game. Yeah, I mean, how many minutes? 40. 40? Played oh, the whole game. Wow, that's uh, credit to him, man. <laughs> we already talked about him a little bit. Yeah, uh, a little bit of, more than we should, you, probably. So, but. we haven't really talked about this, but did you really, did you kind of think that uh, their guards were able to drive fairly easy on MSU? It seemed like, um, no, who was um, it? Trayvon Duvall was just yeah. getting like, was just able to just blow past the defender almost every time he's getting just going right to yeah. the rack. I think I think one thing too is that I feel defensively MSU played pretty well today. Or yeah. Yeah, I mean tonight. what they had they had twelve blocks. Yeah, they had twelve blocks. Not just that. I want to see the shooting stats. Um. Yeah. I mean Duke only shot thirty nine and a half percent for the game. 
30, I mean, in the first half, they were 30%, 12 for 40. And in the second half, they did let up a little bit, 18 to 36 for 50%, had their shots. But overall, this MSU defense played well, and I think that's what really kept them in the game, despite all of the offensive rebounds Duke was able to get. Yeah, it seemed like Duke was getting like three or four offensive rebounds, like a possession. When they would get yeah. them, they came in like bunches. But like, I, And then would it usually end with like, it would usually be coupled with like two or three blocks from State, though. Yeah, so it, it was kind of like a seesaw affair. I mean, you, you saw that there were a game of runs, I want to say, in the second half. Duke had that 12-2 run. But then MSU answered right back with their own 12-2 run to tie it up. So it, it was a little bit, a, a lot of a lot of ups and downs. But one thing that I really noticed in terms of the ups and downs was that MSU's highs were not as high as Duke's in the sense that Duke's largest lead was 10. And I feel like they got there at least a couple of times on a couple of different parts of the game. Whereas MSU was only four, I believe. And and that and that really talks speaks yep, dividends to and me. And it was early in the first. Yeah, 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 early in the first, like five or so minutes. And that speaks to me because... It's it's so much harder playing catch up than I guess I guess there's a different mindset of just playing catch up constantly and I feel like that gets a little bit to you mentally and I feel like down the stretch there when Grayson Allen hit that dagger three I think that was kind of the, the final 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 nail in the coffin for MSU not just in terms of the game but it was just like they just couldn't mentally get back to it just because yeah. they didn't have enough time I mean it it was well, there was about stuff. a minute left when he hit that three and yeah. then that put them up. Seven, seven, I yes. believe, and then it was instantly coupled with uh, turnover, yeah, which was then so. turned into like a four on nothing fast break. Yeah, that, that was that was rough. That yeah, was, which at that point it was not. It was a nine point lead with twenty five seconds yeah. left, and that's game. Yeah. Um, really MSU, if they if MSU wanted to wanted to make a comeback at that point, they would have had to come back and like have some sort of big possession. Like a three would have been nice, but yeah. like it's they would have needed to get points to knock it back down to four or five. Yeah. So, um, but we haven't really talked about uh, MSU's potential for this season like we sort of avoided talking about it or at least i've tried i've avoided talking about msu's basketball season on the podcast so far because yeah i hate judging teams based on exhibition games or a yeah, game against yeah, north yeah. florida it's like obviously we knew michigan state was gonna be good but i wanted to see them against a top level team and that yeah. is what duke is i mean preseason rankings say whatever you want about them duke's going to be good they're not yeah. going to be bad msu is not going to be bad like whether or not they're one two yeah. or eight or nine it, i don't know they're like they're, they're top 10 teams yeah um well, and i thought that MSU played, Izzo said it, I thought it, MSU played okay. They okay, played fine. Yeah, uh, they played okay. They played good enough to win the Big Ten, I think. Like, I mean, I don't think the fair. Big Ten's that, I, think that's I don't think the Big Ten's that good this year. I think that if they play that way all year, it's not going to be a fun year, but they'll win the Big Ten, and then that, but that's probably going to be it. But I, that, I think they'll win the Big Ten just because of, like, I guess, a parity right beneath MSU. I don't think there's a clear-cut number two if you're, like, yeah. five in the Big Ten, especially especially in a conference like that, especially with so much turnover. And, yeah, I think you do mention that. Right now, I think if they played like this the whole season, I think it would be a disappointment because, yes, they win the Big Ten, but I don't think it'll it's be... It's not. You're not. That's not it, national. It'll, it'll be close. Yeah, I think MSU can play way better. Yeah. I mean... How many, how many conference games are there this year? 18, I want to say. I think there's uh, twenty starting. Yeah. My head. Uh, I guess for an eighteen game season, I think they go maybe thirteen or fourteen wins. But some of those wins are going to be a lot closer than they should be against inferior teams. You're going to lose a game or two to cl- teams a clear cup below you, and, and obviously through a season that happens. But yeah, it's basketball. M- MSU is a type of team where that should only happen once or twice a year. Whereas I think that'll happen more times if they play at this kind of, I guess, an average level for a top ten team. And the thing yeah. is, too, MSU fans should rightfully be disappointed in this game, I feel. Just because, one, it was a loss, but two, ah, like, even if they did win, I don't know what 
I mean, the team said it. I think the team said it best after the game in the locker room. Pretty much every single person I talked to was like, "We lost this game." Yeah. Like it's like it's it. Just, they felt that they made a bunch of stupid mistakes. Yeah. That cost them the game, and I mean, that's okay. Honestly, that's okay. You got out rebounded by twelve. You yeah. got out rebounded on offense by fourteen. Like that's probably yeah a clear sign of where you need to yeah. do it. Just box. Like you just gotta box out a bit more, work a little bit harder on the boards, and I think that that was what. I think that's might have been why it wasn't such a bad mood after the after the game. It's because like <laughs> yeah. that game, that was a winnable game. Yeah, and they just and one thing too is that throughout these last few decades, throughout these years of ISO, it's always been this tough, grizzly, gritty, physical teams that are always play good defense, which to MSU's credit they did, but they also rebound really well. And getting out rebounded by a team like Duke really, I mean, yes, I did mention all the kind of the trees on their team, but. Like, it doesn't set a good precedent for the rest of the year if they're going to consistently get out-rebounded, especially on the offensive glass. When you give up all those second-chance points, I want to say it was 19 second-chance points, that that really makes it hard to just win a game, to just stay out in the lead, especially. And one thing, too, is that, speaking in that zone a little bit, Izzo said it, I, I wrote it in my article, I took that quote, he said he wanted to get Duke out of its zone by getting that big lead, but obviously they were never able to. Yeah. And, and not being able to... Get out in front is a big thing too, because like I mentioned, like playing catch up all the time is exhausting. I don't think many teams in the Big Ten play zone though. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think Tom Green used to run it occasionally. The Michigan runs it occasionally. Oh, you're right. That's yeah, something. Beeline, yeah. Beeline, Beeline okay. runs it pretty often. Yeah, Beeline, Beeline will run that one three one zone. So yeah. MSU will see that again at some point. I'm sure. I'm sure Beeline was watching this game and saw like oh, MSU <laughs> just like. Yeah. I mean, if jo- if the way to beat a one three one zone is by shooting from the corners, and if Josh Langford and Matt McQuaid are going to sit in the corners and pass up open yeah. shots, then that's. I mean, I, Matt McQuaid pump faked, I don't remember who it was, but someone out of his shoes had a wide open look. And, and then, then he just, passed and then it up to like Langford or someone. I, I, I do remember the play. Um, one guy I do want to talk about is Tom Tom. Just because he only shot the ball once, yes, but he also had six assists. I was going to say, what do you want to talk about? But, I, but, I could not I, think about anything to talk about with him. I, the one thing I want to point out is his zero turnovers. That that's that to me is huge in this yeah. in this kind of game. Minutes he, play? he played eleven minutes, so he didn't play uh, too often. Wow, that's surprising. But six assists in eleven minutes with no turnovers in that yeah. kind of game is really big. He's had a, I can't I can't really remember. It's too late. Has he had a turnover problem in the past? Not. I feel too like not much. since he was like a freshman. Yeah, but that was also like what 2014, 15? Yeah. Okay. Ago. I so, remember. I just the yeah. years were all one together. Two a.m. in the morning. Yeah, but just I mean, I think that's big just because yes, Cassius is going to get most of the minutes and rightfully so like Tom Tom should only play with Tom 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 should really only play when Cassius is tired but Cassius is at this point in his career still an underclassman point guard trying to navigate his way through an MSU offense through good teams like Duke through a hard zone like Dukes so I I guess just like the reason I bring up Tom Tom is because I think that was really necessary for him to have such a good performance just to kind of I guess set a tone for MSU fans that backup point guard is isn't going to be a problem, especially from a senior captain guard like Lou Rawls sometimes there. I mean, junior. I never thought that backup point guard was a question. For yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. I mean? like, I'm just saying though, but like I think I feel like that. Yeah, I mean, like he uh, he definitely cemented that role. Yeah. But like but I was never. I, really I don't. A I don't necessarily that wasn't, mean that wasn't a question. Yeah. That wasn't a question. For I don't me. think it. It means that like it was a question mark or like it cemented it. But I think it shows that like when your leaders are playing well, I think that really I, I guess that like attitude and that play style. Kind of, I guess, like permeates through the whole team in a way. We haven't really talked about Nick Ward, but I thought he, pretty, I thought he played pretty well. I mean, eight yeah. for thirteen. Um, uh, he needs to get more rebounds. Five rebounds is what I'm seeing right here. Yeah, that's a that's low. That's and one I of mean, those guys that really need to rebound better. Yeah, I mean, speaking of which, 
Yeah, it is college basketball, so you obviously can't expect to get like a double double every day. But <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, he needs to be up around eight or nine rebounds, especially in big games like this. Yeah. He only played eighteen minutes. I never really, I didn't, I didn't notice that till just now. I wish I had asked Izzo what uh, what that was about because uh, um, he wasn't really in foul trouble. He only had three on the game, but yeah, uh, I mean, foul trouble was a really big problem for MSU overall. Because I mean, Jaron Jackson and Shilly that was that was both had. Jaron Jackson was that was I think the biggest problem was Jaron yeah. Jackson came out with like seven minutes left because he picked up his fourth foul and like yeah. for the next he didn't come back on till three or four minutes left of the game I want to yeah. say um, yeah. and that that kind of screwed with the rotations a little bit especially yeah down the stretch. and he was not only that but like screwing with the rotations all you want he was playing yeah. the best yeah yeah and that's another thing too is like I I want to say MSU was up by like two late in the game and then. Izzo was kind of forced to play his rotation a little bit longer than he wanted to, and all of a sudden Duke is up by three, and all of a sudden Grayson Allen hits that three, and then yeah. it's it's kind of all over from there. Yeah, I think that this team has played better. I mean, they absolutely demolished North Florida. Like that that team just they clicked that night. And yeah, I think that and like I think that's good. I think that that like when they the way that they played against North Florida, if they play that way every night, they play if they play that way. They're gonna win the. They they might win the national championship. If they play that. Yeah, way. I mean it is college basketball. There's March Madness. It doesn't get its name for no reason. But this is a national. MSU is a national championship contender at the end of the day, and I think they showed that. And I I mean, <laughs> Izzo was really mad when he was like, I I hate sticking around and all that kind of stuff. I remember watching the press conference. Yeah. Um, and he was really mad about that, but I think that does say dividends because last year you could tell. In the Champions Classic, that Michigan State was a tier below those other teams. Yeah, like, they got blown out by Kentucky. Yep. And I'm not one for quality losses. I'm not one for moral losses. But this is kind of one of those, in a way. If yeah, I mean, it's, me. like if I guess I, I don't want to make that argument too much. But yeah, Izzo said that after the game that he might ask Coach K how he thought we yeah. thought his team played tonight because if MSU just played okay and Coach K thought his team played great. Yeah, I think that's then. That, then we're having then this is then that's an yeah. interesting discussion. But I I don't know. I don't I don't think Coach K really said well how he thought his team played. Do yeah. you remember? No, I don't. I don't really think he did. I mean, he like obviously was real happy to get the win. I mean, yeah, he absolutely. seemed he seemed happy. Like yeah. I, um, but I mean, like I said, doing beating number two in the country yeah. will like just will make you happy. Uh, yeah, water one, is also wet. Yeah. One thing I want to point out is that. Jaron Jackson, Miles Bridges, and Nick Ward all had 19 points apiece, and I think that's a little bit interesting to look at. Not just because they all scored the same, but also because those three guys are kind of, I, I, in my opinion at least, those three guys are five of the guys that you expect to score consistently and a lot from this team. A lot yeah. of Langford and McQuaid. And obviously we talked about Langford and McQuaid passing up shots. They need to be better in that regard. But I think those three guys really took care of business in, in kind of carrying MSU on the scoring level a little bit. And I think that goes a long way. Just because... Cassius is never going to score that much unless he's having a hot night, and you can't really expect that from him game to game. He's obviously he's going to pass it a lot. He's going to get a lot of assists. Obviously, he had the eleven assists tonight. But even Tom Tom and like Ben Carter and Gavin Schilling, like they're not going to score that much. They're kind of just there to be good, like be good depth basically. Yeah. So I, I, I this I, is a very deep team. I mean, yeah. you can just see the way that Izzo was like so willing to stagger his minutes. I mean, Schilling would have played more, but I don't think he's totally healthy yet. Yeah, and um, I mean 11... 11 players off the floor yeah that that's great i mean it's college basketball but yeah and i mean only two only two of those 11 got under 10, 10 minutes, minutes play yeah that's um uh, who's that and shit? the next one and the next one it, like and tum tum is the lowest at 11 like I, that's a lot of guys are playing a lot of minutes on this team 
And I think that also sort of goes to show that Izzo doesn't really know what his rotations are yet. Yeah. And, and I don't think he'll have that figured out until probably January. Yeah, January, February. Right around when league play starts. And league play starts like in like early December, but then they have a slew of non-conference games. Yeah, play, like, Christmas Nebraska, break games. Yeah. or whatever, then like a bunch of non-con. And I think right then, and luckily... MSU doesn't start off the Big Ten season with like two like marquee opponents like a Purdue or like a Maryland, and right. they get Nebraska and Rutgers, who historically aren't very good programs. I think that the only the real takeaways you can take from Champions Classic games like this, and um, they might I don't know who they're gonna end up. They might be lined up to play UConn, I think, in the Thanksgiving tournament. Uh, the PK eighty. Yeah, I, th- I believe they have. DePaul to start off, then they either play UConn or Oregon in the second round. Yeah, they're gonna have another like I don't know Decent who, I don't know who Oregon's gonna be this year. But. Yeah, but I, down the stretch though, they might play like a UNC or someone. Yeah, so, but yeah, um, another, like another marquee. Knockout. But I think that the things you can take away from these early yeah. early season big games is how do you feel when you're watching this team? And I yeah. felt that these two teams were comparable when watching these games, like yeah. raw talent versus raw talent, same playing field. Yeah, which absolutely at that point. That's all you can really ask for out of these games. I don't really take. I don't really care about preseason rankings. Yeah. I don't I, really care what we're gonna. What MSU is gonna be ranked next yeah. week. I don't care what we're gonna rank the week after that. Yeah. I think these games are really good in terms of just like, really, and, and most of the coaches were asked this, like, including uh, Bill Self and uh, John Calafar, but. The, these games are really good for just hyping up the college basketball season. Oh yeah, this is the unofficial start of the season. These these are for like marquee teams and like MSU is kind of on the edge of a blue blood but Kentucky, Kansas and Duke are like the cream of the crop there. Yeah. And having those teams play or it's just it, it, it's great this for the is, hype. This is a totally separate discussion but like <laughs> is MSU a blue blood or is Tom Izzo a blue blood? I like this tangent we're about to go on and I, I don't think, really want to go on this tangent at but like 2 15. We, can, we, can we do it like later? Fine, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> we're doing it. I think MSU is on a slightly, like, there's a tier of, like, the blue, like, the bona fide blue bloods. You're talking the Dukes, the Kentucky, the Kansas. You're talking those guys. But then there's MSU in that second tier. And I would include teams like UConn in that tier. I would include teams, like, maybe in Arizona, someone like that. Yeah. Maybe some of those teams. See, I, I would put MSU's program way above Arizona, but yet not at the same level as Yeah, Duke. not at the same level. I think there, if there, I think MSU is, like, higher upper second tier and Arizona is maybe like that lower tier. One one team um, I would like to point out to get some love in that second tier is maybe Cincinnati because they have a few national champions from a few decades ago. Like you never think about it, but in terms of like historically speaking, their resume isn't that bad. And no one can see this, but I'm giving you a really really skeptical look. <laughs> but like think about it, like they're still ranked in like the top twenty five, and I don't think maybe they're. Um, they might not be in the second tier. Maybe they might be in that third tier. But they're historically speaking, they're a very strong. Program. I was just not expecting you to say. I, I'm just saying. I almost went to Cincinnati, so I'm just giving them some love. I mean, I'm very like you could have said UCLA, and I'd have been like, okay, yeah, fine, yeah, UCLA. But... I mean, UCLA. I feel like is a blue blood though. I don't think they are anymore. I, do you ever lose that blue blood status though? Because I mean, look at it. Think of it this way. I don't know. Is Indiana still a blue blood? Oh, that's another. That's another team. I feel like teeter teeters on the edge at first. Is second. Georgetown still a blue blood? Oh, I don't know. I mean, like. But, like, honestly, for me, I would push Indiana into that upper tier just because of all their history. But, like, think about it this way. Like, in college football, like, Michigan is still considered a blue blood, but they haven't done anything in two decades. Yeah, I think that like historic blue, blue I think bloods that for blue me blood is, status spans multiple coaches. Yeah, and I think it spans which in, in excluding um, Duke because... Duke is, I mean, Coach K. <laughs> I mean, because Coach, Coach K's K. been there for, like... 
many decades. Uh, how many coach? How many like actual coaching terms has he like? You think how many coaches should do normal programs run through for the amount of time he's been there? And like the thing Three is like four. yeah, like MSU can point at Izzo all they want for twenty two years, but Coach K has been what Coach K has been able to it's like do. 40, isn't it? Yeah, Co- what Coach K has been able to do is just literally to, like uh, it's almost twice as long. Yeah. Um, as... and that's just insane to think about. And yeah. honestly, in this day and age, with just like all the scandals and stuff, like it's incredible that he's been able to be there for so long. Yeah. Because I mean, I'm a hundred percent sure like multiple people have tried to dig into that program, and the fact that nothing has been like turned up yet, like that, that right. to me says a lot. Yeah. I mean, and there's always sour grapes. I mean, people yeah. had sour grapes when um, Jabari Parker yeah uh, took uh, yeah. went to Duke over MSU. Was like, yeah. oh, it's he gave, they gave his dad a job. Yeah. Like, he was all that game, nonsense. But like, I don't, I don't believe that at all. Yeah. Like, yeah. nothing came of it. But like, just like. Fans will say whatever they want to say because, the, like, they didn't get a guy. The only thing I will say for Duke is that I wouldn't be too surprised if it was recent just because of the whole one-and-done era kind of trickling in a little, in a little bit there. I have um, a, sorry. And then within the last, like, five or so years, yeah. To go back to who is a blue blood and who's not, <laughs> um, is Louisville a blue blood anymore? Oh, man. Don't even talk to me too about soon. Louisville anymore. Okay. <laughs> poor, uh, excuse me, not poor Louisville. Poor no, Louisville they did fans, themselves. Though. Poor Louisville fans. Yeah. They don't deserve that. No, no, no fans deserve that. But <laughs> FBI probe into your season. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, ugh, Rick Patino, what a what a guy, what a guy. Did you hear that one quote about Patino? Um, <laughs> one of the guys, like his assistants, that one of like there was an FBI agent and he was wiretapped on one of the assistants said about him, like he had like the biggest balls on the team or whatever, or like oh, so that about Patino? Yeah, 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 yeah. Apparently he's like uh, coach, whatever, whatever number that. Was. I like I read into scandals, but like the second, uh, it's like a hard. All right, this is gonna depress me now. Yeah. <laughs> I like tend to stop unless I have to, just because like, obviously I know what's going on. Like I'm an aware journalist. I know that yeah. like. Louisville is doing some terrible things with recruiting, and yeah. like, it just, I just—I know that like I understand the whole scale of things, but like when it comes to the nitty gritty details that are just going to disgust me and disturb me and just like make me angry, like I tend to try and stay out of it just because people are—it's—I mean, mostly kids that are involved are seventeen. They're recruits, yeah. right? Like I, mean, I don't like, know. Bruce Bowen, Brian Bowen is like what? He's seventeen, eighteen years old. Yeah. Like. And it was reported that he got what, like a hundred gram. Like, can you really turn that? Yeah, it was like that's that was interesting to me. Like, that's interesting to me because that seems that's just that's the going rate for a five star basketball. Like that is that like is something that I can use. The thing is though, like what's crazy to me is that he got a hundred gram, but like he wasn't like a top ten consensus top five recruit. He was like a top fifteen twenty recruit. Yeah, so that's so that's interesting to me is that like just like there is there is officially now like a price tag for a top for a top recruit. That's I find that number to be interesting, but like. Anything that, like, all the details as to what involved, like, yeah. what went involved, like, that's a little too much for me. Yeah, so that's that's a little bit interesting. I, I, I'm just wondering, like, a, what a top three recruit would go for. If the, if And the thing is, too, I don't think every college basketball player is dirty. And this is a hell of a tangent we're on, but I don't think every college basketball... Yeah, let's get here. <laughs> that's a good question. Because we, we were talking about blue balls and you brought up blue balls. Oh, you're right. But just for the record, I don't think every college basketball player is dirty because I think... Some of them, especially if you're a top five recruit and you're pretty much guaranteed to play in the NBA, you'll kind of look at the cost reward of it. I'm like, yes, yeah. like 500 grand or something or however many, like 250 grand would be great now. But the fact that you're going to make millions of dollars in the NBA, and especially if you get to that second contract, like I don't think the risks reward for smart families is worth it. And that's why I don't think, I think college basketball is a damn dirty sport, but I don't think it's, it encompasses every recruit. And I think, I do want to get that disclaimer because I don't think every recruit is dirty, you know, so... I think I explained this to you when on the drive by here. I think that every program cheats. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. And, and I don't mean like. And I think that's more of an indictment on the NCAA as a whole to me. I yeah. just think the NCAA, like as an organization, like before it's you even get corrupt. to the schools, is like the worst. I mean, look look at it this way: the FBI had to be involved with this college basketball. And the thing about and college like, basketball yeah. is like, there's always been this facade about like it's dirty, but like some programs are clean. Like there's always everyone's kind of known. Like it's this worst kept secret ever that college basketball is dirty. Yeah, I mean, like go all the way back to Derrick Rose at Memphis. Yeah, like oh my god, that's a long time. That's almost a decade ago. Yeah, pretty much a decade ago now. I mean. Th- is it a fact now that he took his ACTs? Like, yeah, he like didn't his take his ACTs? Yeah, I think so. Is that, so? like, a hard fact now? Is this still alleged? Allegedly. Sure. I don't or, know. But I alleged... mean, if you hear about it... I mean, all the wins all the wins were vacated, so I feel like something yeah. happened. Yeah, so something happened. But, um, but yeah, there's yeah. always been... And, and, and I agree with you, uh, and we talked about this in the car a little bit. We're just kind of recapping. I agree with you that every program cheats, but I don't think it's to the extent of which that... Patino and Louisville did. I think. Oh well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think every every program is. I'm not saying that every program that the FBI needs to investigate every yeah. program. But like, That's I'm. A I, aggressive. But like, I'm sure, like, because the NCAA has all these like intricate rules, and because they do like all these odd rulings about like, for example, like UNC and the whole academic scandal, all that kind of stuff. Like the fact that that got cleared, and like some of the evidence is pretty like pretty sketchy. Yeah, but that did you did you uh did you see what the defense that UNC used for that was? What was it? Is that it's not it's a university problem, not an athletic problem because it wasn't holy athletes. It was like <laughs> it was like I, the, I the program like and I'm like that's an interesting defense. Like they're yeah. right. That's not that's I did hear a, about that. But then but then that accreditation kind of got into it. I, I think I saw that. Like, yeah. The but people I mean, that credit that stuff. So that's that's also interesting. I think it's been changed now, but yeah, like but I'm, I'm, I don't think that UNC that, technically broke any rules. I think that they were just had an easy major that didn't yeah. matter. And I think and I think too is that the NCAA kind of shows though that like that it, you might as well cheat in all honesty, like because oh yeah, like they haven't gone down with like the hammer that often. Who did Reggie Bush play for? Like USC, exactly. You know, like you you you're always going to remember those national championships. Yeah, like, I mean, like you can go to you. you can go to Rama, and how many Reggie Bush USC jerseys are you going to see? I don't know. I've never met to Rama. Oh. For the record, I'm not 21 yet. Okay, and I well, don't have a fake. So. There's like three. Um, <laughs> there's usually right around three. That's that's a pretty good amount. Yeah, I mean, that's like Reggie Bush played for USC. Reggie Bush won a Heisman. Derrick Rose yeah. played for Memphis. Derrick Rose was a very good basketball yeah. player in like, college. But you don't wipe those away. They yeah. happen. Like, it doesn't really matter. They and, still And you still get all the booster money. Like, yeah. And even if it comes down to something as simple as, like, you can look at Florida Gulf Coast when they, back when they were Dunk City. Yeah, oh, Dunk City. I think that their, like, applications, like, quadrupled. Yeah. The amount of, like, just people applying yeah. to your school. I'm going to bring up an old wound for Michigan fans. But App State, you, you see that kind of stuff. And... That's still that, that goes that goes beyond sports. That goes beyond like all that kind of stuff. Like yeah, I when mean, you when when you're put on the map as a sports town, like, Middle you, Tennessee State. Yeah, yeah. Like when you that that affects the university in terms of budget, just the marketing. I mean, when App State beat Michigan, and this is kind of a bad college basketball example, but when you have those big type of upsets, like you mentioned, like one enrollment goes up, but that's great marketing, and you just get so much more money. Yeah. And that's and that's how colleges just start getting bigger, and I think that's that's kind of the that that makes it so much so much easier to just cheat just because the NCAA has no backbone, and it's just such a joke at this point. Wow, thirty five minutes ago we started talking about Duke, MSU, and now we're just talking about 
college Widespread basketball. scandals and college <laughs> athletics as a whole and I having think, I think that's, meta discussions I mean, about NCAA. We, we, did a, we did, though, to our credit, preview MSU basketball a little bit. Did we? A little we bit. We probably did. I'm, <laughs> I'm exhausted. I, I hope what I said was intelligent. I'm very excited for the food we're about to get. But one thing we did do is, though, is that to our credit, is that we previewed the basketball you season. Her, did you just pat us on the back after I, I'm complaining I am so time? tired from this day that I don't care anymore. Like, honestly. Like, I was at Antonio's presser. Like, think about that. That was that was a long time ago. But Antonio said some interesting things. But anyway, I'm getting I'm getting away from my point. But we did preview this basketball season a little bit, and I think a, a healthy basketball debate is not too bad. Because yeah, college basketball true. is great. Um, I love college basketball. I have not done much research into other teams because, like I said, I don't want. I don't like looking at teams before they like before they start playing talent. Like obviously, yeah. now I can start evaluate. I can evaluate Kansas or Kansas. Kentucky. I'm pretending like an I'm an actual college <laughs> basketball evaluator. Um, I actually like start to think about teams like yeah. Kansas. Like now that you've played someone that you have like, and the Kansas Kentucky game was close, and it yeah. seemed like we were working for the most of it. But I like me looking up, like me looking up, like it seemed exciting. So like like I said. Those are two teams that have top level talent, and they were able to compete with each other. Like you said last year, like MSU against Kentucky, they just, just looked. looked you yeah. could just tell. Yeah, and I mean, and that is what you should take away from uh, MSU's game tonight against Duke is that you could tell that both those teams were pretty evenly matched. Yeah, I mean, MSU went to uh, Duke got to the line eleven more times than MSU did, and I think. Uh, One thing I do want to mention out rebounded MSU, and there was still an eight point game. Like there's, yeah. I can point to all these stats that are like vastly in favor of Duke, and I yeah. think that that's why they won. Obviously, but it was only a seven point loss. And as we've all seen in college basketball, when the second there's a little bit of a lead, you just get fouls, and that didn't happen in this game. But um, one thing I do want to say though, I, I think the free throw disparity is did have a little bit to do with the Duke zone. Just because you are trying to shoot three pointers, you and you are trying yeah, to penetrate not, it a little a bit. Yeah, there was not a lot of driving. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe that's why. Where just took what ten three pointers? Like you never see Bridges take that many like three yeah. pointers. Like you see him like being. He aggressive. felt like he was forcing a lot of them though. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, to his credit though, five of ten is not bad. No, no, no. That's a that's some. I take four, that. That's a Bryn Forbes esque shooting performance. Five of ten. If I had shot yeah. five of ten every game when I was in high school, I probably would have made a small college team. <laughs> small college team. Very nice. Very nice. Um, another thing, too, just wrapping it up a little bit, Duke took 15 more shots on MSU, which is absurd. MSU, I mean, well, that comes from... The offensive um, rebounds. Yeah, well, I think, mean, they had 14 more offensive rebounds. Think about That's that, right though. there. MSU was 31 of 61. Duke was 30 of 76. Despite the fact that Duke took 15 more shots, MSU still had more field goals. Wait, how does this math add up? Oh, it's the free throws. That. MSU had nine... Or Duke made nine more free throws than MSU did. That's where the math is. Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at total field goals. Yep, yep. That yep. was right. Um, so, MSU still had more field goals than Duke. But weird Duke game. took... Yeah, but Duke took 15 more shots just because of all the offensive rebounds and stuff. So yeah, this was a weird game. Even if MSU won, I, I wouldn't know particularly exactly what to point at that they did well. I mean, I think Izzo said that too. Like, he yeah. would, he said he would feel the same way if they yeah. won or lost. It's, like, it's all about like how the played they played. Well. The yeah. defense played well. Jaron Jackson played well. The blocks are crazy. Yeah, I don't. That's are impressive. Either MSU's gonna have the best interior defense in the country, or that yeah. was an aberration. <laughs> like really, Kenny Goins had two blocks to his credit. Boy, yeah. So, um, all right. Well, that we, is probably gonna do it for us as we're approaching the forty-minute mark. We dissected this game pretty well. I think. Yeah, there, um, a lot, there was a lot to talk about, and we got to a lot of those points. Check back with the stadium.com. Uh, we'll both have articles running today. Yep, um, yep. We'll, I'll probably be posting that. In a few minutes, actually, as I wait for food. Yeah, uh, and then Suichi will go back to his football life. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm covering basketball on Sunday, though. So are you? Yeah, I am. Okay. Um, I, I was on the schedule. Yeah, uh, basketball. <laughs> which great segue. Basketball. MSU will take on Stony Brook um, Sunday. On Sunday at four. That's four actually a double header. Double header. Oh yeah, women's, women's basketball plays before that. Women's basketball is looking pretty good this year. Yeah, I mean they also haven't played anybody. That's but true. That, but they scored like 110 points. More good. Random thing about the thing about women's basketball though is like you have the upper like tier of like UConn. And you have like the pretty good tier of MSU, and even those are far apart. Yeah. And like the worst of the worst you get to is like, <coughs> obviously the worst of the worst is you get to like a D two, like the disp- like the difference, it's just the talent difference between a D one and a D two team, is just insane compared to just like I guess college basketball. Yeah, I mean you get those disparities in almost every sport. Though. Yeah, but I feel like I mean you we're, we're seeing that thing in MSU and uh, for MSU soccer right now, it's yeah, like there's like a top, there's like a top four, and then there's MSU who's seven. MSU is really good. They've got some great defense. Big yeah. Ten goaltender of the year, Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy Hague. I know we're totally on different sports, but um, they just don't score enough goals. I mean, yeah. I think that that's what's sort of keeping them down a little bit. I mean, yeah. But I mean, I just you sort of get that in, in yeah. sports that aren't your that, men's basketball, yeah. or it's like there's that's kind of five like or six game. like really good teams, yeah. and then there's just a lot of like. Eh. That's kind of like the Hall of Fame. It's not the Hall of Very Great, but yeah. it's also like the Hall of Fame. So it is to, just a difference. Wow. That's a little bit of a tangent as well. Yeah, sorry about we are, that. We are all about we that. Are this, is, this, is a good, this is a good sports just sports, sports. stuff. Though. Organic sports, sports talk. <laughs> That's um, a great podcast name. I will stand by that forever. All right. Uh, thanks so much for listening, if you're still listening. Um, I'd be surprised. Check back statenews.com. We'll all have articles posted. And... Um, also, shout out to our photographer Carly Garrisy for coming with us and Jersey, Jersey. How did I mispronounce that twice? I'm um, sorry. I have never heard that said in that light, but I've known her for a while. That's impressive. Um, she's so here. She's here and had to deal with Suichi and I for the entire day. Oh and man, that takes a lot. What a day. So yeah, thanks so much for listening. All right, bye bye. Bye.